Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How you day? How you day? I hope you all are doing well. So today's episode is with Reza Zad. Now Reza is the co-founder and CEO of Studio 71, which is a multi-platform media company. But a lot of what we talk about in today's episode is basically his background. He's half Iranian and he's someone that was able to leave Iran after a time of political upheaval. And we talked a little bit about the effect of that on him and his background. And then we dove into what he does with with um, influencers and how he sees the landscape of video changing just the future celebrities, today's celebrities and the future celebrities. This is very, very interesting for those of you who are interested in in really elevating your brand from, you know, maybe a very, very good level right now to a great level. You know, those of you that are interested in leveraging your networks into a wide audience, the type of people that Reza has dealt with, you know, range from people like Lily Singh to Linkin Park. So he plays in the big leagues. And we talk about just his background as well as his, his book and why he wrote his book. And all those will be in the show notes. But as you listen, I want you all to take moments to just jot down the importance of really having a solid foundation and telling your story. That's that's what the common thread was with every single one of the the talent that he's worked with in the past that I that at least that I heard, you know, under his leadership, he's been able to see people who were committed to their craft and committed to building an audience and committed to showing up and committed to to being consistent. Uh, eventually elevate their platforms to levels where it's globally recognized and um, at a place where they can expand. So if you're someone who has a voice and wants to grow, just take notice of what he's saying. Take notice of what he's doing and take notice of what he learned from working with talent. All right. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, reach out to me if you have any questions. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Reza Izzad. Now, Reza is the co-founder of an amazing video platform, an amazing platform in general, Studio 71, and also the co-author of create great videos. We're going to be talking about how to create amazing videos, develop a digital voice, and build an online community while collaborating with the YouTube generation. So I'm super excited to be talking 
about this because this is the way of today and the future. And I'm definitely interested in diving into his background. He has a fascinating background, as you'll hear as we go through this interview. Welcome to the show, Reza. Hi. Thanks for having me, Tail. The pleasure is mine. Now, before we dive into it, you were just telling me this earlier. You were named mm. after uh, a dictator, you said. I grew up in a, in a couple of military dictatorships. So I'm curious, can you tell the audience a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how you eventually found yourself uh, here in the States? Sure. I was, uh, I was born in Iran uh, during the reign of the Shah. Uh, and, uh, my mother's an American actually, and she married an Iranian guy when they were at school at USC in the sixties and then moved to Iran. And so, uh, there was a point in time, I think that it got too dangerous for my mom as an American to be in the country. And there was a, you know, we were, we were under a situation where, you know, our home we lived in every week, somebody would come and, uh, spray paint on the side of the wall that an American lives here. And I think our neighbor was a Baha'i, which is a religious sect. And the, there were spray painting a Baha'i lives there and so on and so forth. And I think there had been an incident in a movie theater where a, a lot of people were watching an American movie. And I think the, you know, the people that were looking for change lit the movie theater on fire and locked the doors. Oh, and wow. it was a movie theater that we happened to go to frequent quite regularly. And my mom basically said it's time for us to leave and this was probably six or eight months before the shah left iran um but it was very clear that 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 at least my mom who's blonde hair blue eyed and my sister and i needed to leave the country so we we came to america i've been here since i was six years old so um i i view myself culturally very iranian um and love the culture of it but 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 like I'm pretty much a tried and true American in terms of my habits, sensibilities, and everything else. Cause, you know, um, I guess that's what happens when you're a six year old who, you know, lands in America and is raised in the culture here. So that, that's, that's sort of, um, my, my narrative in terms of how I got here. Um, that's, it's, 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 so. it's, it's such a, thank you for sharing that story, by the way. And I love, yeah. What you said, because there's so much to, I always say there's so much to unpack, but there's so much to unpack there in the sense that you just educated us on the idea of how sometimes, you know, there are people based on where you come from or what you, you may look like, you could become seen as a threat because you don't agree with the certain ideals. And we parallel that to what's happening in the world. It's very similar where people don't actually get to understand your story and it, it could be, um, you know, you could be have have you could have judgments made on you based on backgrounds and things like that. So I'm always interested in the impact of that in someone's youth and formative periods of their lives. You came to the states six years old. Yeah, your yep. mom your mom told you these. I don't know when she told you the stories, but she might have told you why you had to move. You and your sister had to move. How did that impact your formative periods of your lives and and how you saw the world? So uh, I mean, look. Um, I had a pretty privileged life, you know, my, my family was fairly well to do. Um, and so, so impact was a lot less significant. Like my, we, my family didn't have to rebuild. Um, they, they didn't start. My, my dad had to do some, we weren't starting from scratch, right? We had a base with which 
we were we were we were able to sort of transition from life in Iran to life in America. And I was very familiar with America because my mother's an American and we'd vacation out here every year. That that being said, we moved for the first two years to a rural community in California called Fillmore, um, where 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 you know every night on TV you'd see the Ayatollah and the hostages and all of that sort of stuff. And so, you know, um, there was definitely a transition for me to sort of acclimate into into that environment. But 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 essentially, like if there was one thing to take away from 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 it that I think was valuable and has served me well in life is that that nothing is permanent and transition is going to either happen to you by circumstance mm. or you're going to be leading it and 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 being proactive about it. So this this fervor of sentiment of the people of Iran wanting to get rid of the Shah that was a 2 3 year maybe even longer process before actually he was deposed and he left the country and all that and there were the people that saw the signs early and moved their money out of the country or figured out other circumstances and then there were those who were ultimately victims of it um and they all all of them lived were part of my family so there was the people who thought this is never going to happen who lost everything and when they had to leave they had to start from scratch and then there were members of my family who completely planned for this transition and you know their lives, other than the fact that their homeland was gone, and maybe some rel- some relatives stayed back, and sort of their social circle changed. Their circumstances in life didn't fundamentally change, right? Wow. Um, and I and I think I think when you think about the world we live in today, where we're undergoing such a massive transition, you know, from an early age, transition has just been a part of life for me, and 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 I. And I and I don't. It's not. It's not something that's been all that fearful, right? Um, for me, that that that's probably the most positive thing I could say that came came out of it, um, because it was clearly going from Tehran to Fillmore, California, was a culture shock. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that, I can imagine. That, that's, no, and I'm giving you the intellectual version when you're six <laughs> years old. It, was a little, it wasn't. Quite, it wasn't quite as you know like exciting. No, that's well said. And you, one thing you talked about is that change is inevitable and transitions happen. And speaking of transition, yep. as we transition to your career, segue people. Anyways, <laughs> as we transition into your career, you've noticed a lot of transitions in the media industry. I believe while doing research on you, you used to work at a company called Collective before Studio 71. Yeah. What were you yep. doing at Collective? So the collective was a management company. So we managed a ton of, a, it was a tradition. Ironically, we're still in the same offices. So Studio 71 actually was born out of the collective and just, and, and sort of assumed the, the collective in terms of what it is. So it's an interesting story. But, but that, that being said, we were a traditional Hollywood management firm. So we managed, you know, Martin Lawrence and Eddie Izzard and Cat Williams and. Jeez. Musicians like Linkin Park and and Enrique Iglesias and Slash and a bunch of other folks. Oh my gosh! I, so Linkin Park is one of my favorite bands of all time, and I just, I remember seeing yep. that you, you manage one of the bands. You know, they always say don't meet your heroes. I, I don't know if you have any stories, but you you also managed some big egos. You talked about Cat Williams, but you worked at Kanye West. I don't know that yep. there is a bigger ego right now. 
but um, he was one of the people that you worked at as well. How did you, what was that period like for you? Did you enjoy it? Was it, was it fun? What did you take away from that, from those moments? Well, I mean, fundamentally when, when like artists of that caliber and I'm, and this is somewhat of a generalization, I mean, they're like Kanye, whether he, whether it's articulated in a way that everyone is excited to hear, hear what he has to say, you know, and sometimes it comes off off putting and whatnot. That guy, no one worked harder. No one put in more time. No one, no one in my mind was as creative and as imaginative in terms of the work that they put out. Um, did it always hit the mark? No. Was it always like, you know, accepted, um, in, in the way that I think he intended it to be? No. But, but, but from an output point of view and from a creative point of view and from a work point of view, there's nothing too negative to say about that guy. Yeah. Um, and you think about like, is it a good thing that he brags about moving culture the way he did? But before Kanye West, hip hop was saggy jeans and white t-shirts. And let's not forget that post Kanye West, it's very, very different thing. And ah. so like, if you were to say two most influential artists in pop culture over the last 10 or 15 years, it's little Wayne who's camp, who all those, what we'll call SoundCloud rappers rolled into and Kanye West in terms of moving, you know, street and urban culture forward. That's it. No, it's not Jay Z. Jay Z oh, made the We're not gonna put Jay Z or Drake. <laughs> no, but but Drake is a Kanye comes from the 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 lineage of Kanye. Even though ironically he was brought up by Lil Wayne. That's what I was gonna say. The Lil Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's you. Wow. Dropping bombs there. So so if you think if you think about it in two parallel universes, there's the Lil Wayne crew and there's the Kanye crew. They overlap a lot, mm. but those are the two most over the last. You know, so 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 yeah. Does wow. he have is does he have the right to say some of the things he says? I, I don't know, but it was definitely exciting to be a part of it and to see it happen. Especially, you know, when you were in the middle of it, sometimes it wasn't as much fun. Um, but that's that's like any job. Wow. Yeah. And the reason I brought that up, by the way, is because I imagine you've learned how to work with different sorts of personalities. And as I'm making my way through your career as you know you run studio 71 now you run an organization that manages a lot of youtube stars and in our generation um and younger my i have an 18 year old brother most of the people he knows are youtube stars as opposed yep. to you know i i sort of grew up on the the latter end where i started to see that transition happen but before that you know it was you know there was Ja Rule, 50 Cent, you know, Kanye West, big, big yep. YouTube, uh, big MTV, sorry. MTV was like the big thing, you know, TRL and all that. And so me watching that transition and listening to my brother talk about his favorite YouTube stars, I wonder if there's a difference in the personality when you work with people uh, from these different mediums. Yeah, there definitely is. So, so and, and this is going to sound... Well, I guess this is going to be what it is, right? So yeah. <laughs> most, most most artists that we know in the mainstream um, have earned the right to be their own boss. And what I mean by that is when they started out, there was a lot of gatekeepers that they had to persuade. Mm -hmm. And they didn't all do it alone, but that they had to persuade to put them on, right? And yeah. if in, on the music business, yeah. it's different than film and television, but in the video business – Right there, you know, if you want to be on 
CBS, Les Moonves has to say yes or an equivalent, one of his employees, and and so on down the line, and and so so that the those that talent, the the ones that achieve you know sort of great success, kind of learn how the game is played, right? Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise because a lot of people say yes to him, a lot of people, and then and then he goes out and delivers on whatever promise he's made to those people. And typically that's in the form of marketing and like you're going to see Mission Impossible come out yeah. and you're going to see this guy around the world in a whirlwind. Same reason Dwayne John, you know, all these people who are super successful are, are able to do it. In, in a world where the barrier to entry is no, you don't need to ask anyone permission, right? You can do it in your bedroom and you can upload a video and in theory reach millions of people. If you're able to attain success that way, your approach is very, very different, right? The notion that, you know, you're not going to, you know, that, that I think there's this like saying, you'll never work in this town again. That doesn't really apply to you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't need anyone to say yes. You need to figure out an algorithm. You f- need to figure out how to navigate a, a platform on one hand, and then you need to figure out how to really, truly engage an audience. And if you can do that, you're you you're much more the master of your domain um and so so it's a it's a very different relationship and with 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 talent like that versus talent that requires the broader system the gatekeepers to say yes yeah yeah and so um, you know and and how and, and 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 it's different in terms of how you manage that and the services you provide and the value you provide to that type of talent yeah, and it, with, so no, sorry. Go ahead. I, I didn't know you would stop. Go ahead. That's it. That's it. Well, with the services, that was the next question I wanted to ask. With the services that you provide in the internet age, you know, I mean, I, I have a podcast, and I, I, you know, I, you know, I get approached by similar things, and it's very different when you, it's not a gatekeeper. You're, you're talking about uh, you know, deals with like brands you're talking about ways to get into a larger platform some people i've noticed on youtube you might i saw that you work with lily Singh, which is easily one of the most recognizable uh, uh youtube stars you know you can hear from yeah. her when you watch videos that she's also looking to transition sometimes into tv and film business but she also wants to engage and keep her audience the core people that that have, that have made her who she is how do you <laughs> sort of manage that, that personality where it's interesting where in the past Tom Cruise, Will Smith, uh, whoever the biggest, the biggest music stars were, they had those platforms. And now I see some YouTube stars, even though they have one 10 million subscribers, they still try to go into the, the Tom Cruise, Will Smith status, but they're using their status as a YouTube star to get there. It's almost like you 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 grow ten million, then you go into you know you leverage that into actor or you know mogul status. And I'm always interested as to what you're telling these talents. <laughs> are you still telling them that TV is still king or music labels are still the best way you need to get there? And you know I'm just curious about the mindset uh, of that. The so everybody has a different set of goals, right? And I you know I think. Speaking for Lily, just briefly, I know there's an aspiration to be an actor and to be on TV right. and film and and go down that line. And you see it in the quality in the work she does. Right, she mm-hmm. plays characters on her YouTube channel. She's doing sketches constantly, and so so that's that's the path that she's on. 
And that's very different than the path many others on, right? There's people who've started businesses. There's people who are selling products. There are people who are, who are, who are just focused on, you know, maximizing how much video volume they can get. There's people. So, so everybody in the game is looking to expand their influence, right? And, and here, here's the thing to also expand sort of where and how they're they're ma- they're diversifying where they're making their money. So so the digital content ecosystem is primarily ad supported, right? So so as the economy goes, right? There's more ads when the economy's good versus not. So goes this business. There've been things over the last year around brand safety, meaning you have these really talented content creators who have nothing to do with these problems but but YouTube, unfortunately, is open to anybody. So you've got bad actors. You got people like ISIS. You got people putting out hate speech. You got right. all kinds of shit out there mm-hmm. where ads are running on it. So advertisers are pulling back and 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 rethinking how they approach platforms like YouTube. And it's been you know it's all over the news. And so that that kind of uh, volatility is is making everyone think about how do I expand my relationship with with my audience and then what are the ways that are not exclusively driven by advertising that I can monetize it and those are things that we're constantly thinking about and a lot of people in our space are are thinking about how to how to really diversify away from just an ad supported environment and then not that ads are bad it's just you just don't want it to be 80 90 100% of your business in a perfect in a healthy world you'd like it to be half of your business. No, I love that. You're teaching them how to diversify their income. And what I want you to, to help me here is to help me understand here is I'm going to be pretending like I don't know anything about this world for the sake of the audience. Sure. I'm, I don't know, 18. Let's say I'm 18. Yeah. I have ideas. I don't necessarily want to be an actor, but I want to be a brand or of some sort. And I've, I have a skill set. Maybe I do video essays on comics, for example, that, you know, uh, yeah. and I know that I don't know how to grow my audience. And I, I, I know I have a lot to say. I, I need help building a digital voice and building a community so I can collaborate. What would you tell me to do, to work on, first of all? If you're, if you're just starting, the good news is, like, you know, it, it's, this is the most democratized time in the history of, of communication for anyone with an idea to, to put content out, right? Whether it's in the form of a podcast uh, a, tw- uh, a Twitter, you know, using j- leveraging just words and 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 pithy comments and Twitter, whether it's images or 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 short form, you know, really short video and Instagram. There's many many ways to sort of engage an audience and begin the process of building a community around what you're doing. Um, the the methodology for every one of those is is different, right? So in 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 the case of YouTube, the most linear and easy way to to grow your audience is to collaborate with people who are kind of roughly in the same stage as you mm. and use that as steps to sort of grow an audience and 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 sort of leverage it there's many very technical things that you can do to optimize what you're doing um but but i think unless you're really on the platform and really using it it's like it just flies right over your head you have to actually be somebody who's in the YouTube CMS 
really looking at your data to really maximize optimization. And honestly, optimization is really good if you have something that's that's worth getting out there. Yeah. And I think the first thing I would do is focus on my voice. How am I going to be distinct? Why are people going to follow me? And try things out. I mean, um, there's a number of channels. Like if like look, take Roman Atwood, right? He started out as a prankster. Today, he runs one of the biggest family channels and family communities, frankly, in digital. Um, and, and not that he wasn't a big prankster, but the writing was on the wall. Had he just been a prankster, he would not be in the position he is today. And so that transition happened at the peak of what he was doing. And that took him to a significantly higher level. He converted all these 13, 10, 12, 13 year old kids who love the humor that. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...that he had in the pranks he was doing, and he converted them to being the coolest dad on, on, on the planet. Yeah. Uh, and, and they all followed him on that journey, or many of them did, and he picked up a lot more along the way. And my and my point is is having that that is the evolution that happens at a mid level, but that's an evolution that's constantly happening from the beginning all the way through your career. You're not going to be doing the same thing over and over and over again without it wearing like it's like a tire. You you wear out your threads. You're gonna have to pivot all the time. And so the first thing is really honing in on what makes your voice distinct. And what, where is the opportunity really for you to add value to a group of people? And that value could just be entertainment value. So it's not, no, you don't have to think about it in terms of like, you know, um, I'm going to help people get jobs or I'm going to help people code or whatever. But, but the value, what, what's the value you're going to add and what's the voice and tone that you're going to use to, to do that? And if you stay on, true to that, you know, you'll be successful to, to, you know, to a degree. And this, this game is a meritocracy, right? Um, which means you, you got to figure out what it takes to become popular. Yeah. Yeah. That's well said. And I, I love having someone like you on there because I even listening to you and understanding it's, you have such a lay of the land that's, um, practically unrivaled. But I, I also, you know, I work with a lot of creators and I see a lot of creators and I see this trepidation sometimes. 
you know, before they even start, you know, complexity is the enemy of execution. But there are fears that, well, YouTube only seems to be catered towards the pranksters or the comedians or the gamers who, who you watch. I'm more of a, or maybe video people to do video essays because of comics and stuff like that. But yep. they, and, and, you know, I obviously, you know, I try to tell them that that's not always the case, but it's hard to get people to break out of that mindset when. Answer your question. Look, there's 2 billion people a month that use YouTube, and I think Instagram's a billion, and Facebook's 2 billion, and Snap is 150 million or whatever. They all don't like pranks. And frankly, pranks aren't even what's hot today. Um, so, so, so they all don't like bloggers. They all don't like beauty gurus. They, they, there's a lot of them that do, but like 2 billion people is essentially the entire, like is a cross section of the entire world. Yeah. And so like there's people who love outdoor and hunting and people who just use it to get piano lessons and cooking lessons and all different kinds of ways. If the thinking is that you're going to start this journey and your principal business is going to be advertising, then, then yeah, you're going to have to figure out how to, how to, how to align around trends that get a lot of viewership. But, but that's not necessarily like if I'm a graphic designer and I'm looking for more work, I could use Instagram and maybe YouTube in a much different way. And I don't need 20 million views for it to work for me. I need 5,000 views on a video, but it needs to be the right 5,000 views. And I need, you know, to, you know, 25,000 followers on Instagram, a small portion of which are my customers for it to be valuable. There you go. You know, so, so, so it depends on how you're looking to, to, to do it. A, a, a close friend of mine is a guy named Donald Robertson and he's, he was, a, he still is a, senior creative person at Estee Lauder and he started, but he's really, really talented artist and he's very quick and he kind of knows how this universe works, like in terms of creating stuff that's relevant. And he put out an Instagram, started just sketching pop culture stuff on Instagram, but he, but he added his twist. It's uniquely Donald's right. And his, his Instagram tag is Donald Robertson. Cause he draws a lot. Right. And, and like he's built an, a, a whole career off of, off of he already with, let me be clear. He was already a very successful creative director, but because he left, he, he sort of opened that side of the world to him on Instagram. He's, he's increased the opportunities that are available to him as a successful creative director tenfold. Hmm. That's so, so, yeah. so He's still making his money doing what he used to do, right? Adding, he's a, he's a marketing and creative director in, in the, the beauty and fashion business. He's also transitioned his creativity to being an artist who's, you know, he had, he's had a book come out. He's done a lot of awesome things that would have never happened without sort of the, 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 what he, what he's built off of Instagram. And so if you think of it really linearly, like I'm going to become a YouTuber, then sure, you got to go and see what's competitive and what's hot now and go chase that and go collaborate with the biggest people in the space and use that to, to grow yourself. But, but I, I don't think the people who today who are big talents in social media thought of it that way. 
Right. I agree. I, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sketches. Or I'm a filmmaker and I don't want to wait for fucking, you know, somebody at Disney to hire me. I'm going to go do something on my own. Or I'm a comedian uh, or I'm a pretty girl and I want to be a model, but Wilhelmina hasn't called. So this is what I'm going to go do. Wh- whoever, you know, or I have a big opinion on fashion or so on. That, that's where that started. And what it ended up being is a little different, right? Yeah. Because um, if you start with, with, you know, the, you know, I won't bore you with that, but whatever you, no, you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. You, you, it, it's, it all comes down to, you know, providing quality and having that, um, you still have to have a problem you want to solve or something you want to do a voice, an authentic voice. And that's Correct. where it shows. Um, yeah. And you can leverage it for many things other than just seeing ad dollars, exactly. which is kind of, it's the boring part of it, but it's kind of like the table stakes of, it and not necessarily the most, not the most valuable part of having a large community that's following you. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, you can. I like that you keep saying, "Don't just go for the ads," because you could ultimately launch your blog off it. You could have an email list. You could have a podcast. You could have product merchandise. Uh, you could do partnerships. You could, if you could do collaborations, that could lead you to another person's audience. You, I mean, you could have your own show. There are multiple things you can end up doing if you start to think big picture. And I imagine, obviously, you deal with people at the NBA level. These are people that are trying to make sure that they are not a flash in the pan. Maybe, you know, they find a way to do something with the 5 million or 10 million subscribers. Well, dude, there's a lot of people who are. Like, and they're not selling ads at all or shows or they're selling services. There you go. There you go. That's it. Look at look at Grant, look at look at Gary Vaynerchuk and that guy Grant Cardone. Those guys are selling. Yeah, they're using these platforms to one is to convince advertisers to buy his service, and the other is to I, I don't you know Grant sells a bajillion things. I don't even know what all of them. <laughs> but the point is, um, they're using these platforms to communicate the products that they have, and they're not they're not a T-shirt. They're sophisticated, multi-million dollar products yeah. that people buy. Very, very much so. So, so the, the point is, like, don't think of it so linearly, especially if you have an interesting voice and and you do, and you have an interesting skill set and you have an interesting sort of a perspective on the world today. You can, you can, without, without, you know, without sort of asking anybody, start to reach a group of people that might be as interested in that topic as you are and, yeah. and might be really valuable customers down the line. Absolutely. And he, what, PewDiePie, is he still the biggest YouTuber? Um, I'm not sure not if he is. Video views. No, no. Okay. But at one point he was ranked there, but I remember when he said he had some slurs. And the YouTube cut is, uh, well, I guess they cut off, they shut off the ads and stuff. I imagine, yes, that was some part of his revenue, but I think at that point he was set up in such a way where it, he wasn't losing a lot of money or to the point where he would be broke. He had diversified his economy. And I think that's what you're trying to say here, where you've got to make sure that you have a firm foundation and, and you understand what leverage is and how to continue to grow that, that yep. way. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's such a good thing. And if you look at, you know, another one that is a very polarizing figure, Logan Paul, and, and there's a guy called KSI. They are having they, yep. a boxing match, right? And, and it's, I've been following what they've been doing. 
It's essentially like a boxing match. You've got the promo, you got the people, you got the weigh-ins, you got all these things, and these things are money. I, 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 I was sitting with my brother and I was saying, I can't believe that they've replicated a real boxing match here. And they're, they're talking about 50, 50, 55, 45, splitting in the revenue. Like this is a, f- a freaking boxing match. That's such a, this is where we are right now. <laughs> yeah. We, we all look forward to them breaking the internet. It should ah, be an exciting fight. It definitely should be. Talk to me as we get ready to wrap up. Talk to me about the business. Uh, we've got YouTube. Business of video, that's yeah. what I mean. We've got YouTube, we've got Instagram, uh, who consistently finds ways to keep you on the platform, and then Facebook, which is Facebook and Instagram, basically same company. Yeah. Do you work with all three, or are you primarily YouTube? And if you're just, if you work with all three, which is the biggest? Well, we, and then there's Snap too, oh, which is pretty valuable in social video, um, and and has what's interesting, not the biggest monthly user base but a very active like fanatical user base so they they watch a lot of content and communicate heavily on that platform so i wouldn't i wouldn't count snap out at all despite all the negative press or whatever that they and and that's more like a business story press right not user but there's been some user issues over the years um you know, to be to be successful, you got to be on all of them, I believe, um, in order to to sort of because I think they tell stories in different ways. Um, I think they're used in different ways. I think you know the kind of content you produce for Snap as a consumer, not on Discover, but as a consumer or an influencer, might be different. Yeah, yeah, huh? That's it. That's it's very YouTube. Um, obvious there's the orientation of the screen, but there's also the quality and the time and the effort you'd put into it and the ease with which your phone allows you to address your, your, your fan base with simple messages that don't need to be overtly produced. They need to just feel real and come from the heart. Um, and, and, and I think, and I think Instagram and Snap play an active role in that. Whereas, you know, frankly, YouTube is much more of a produced environment. Um, and the lighting needs to be, you know, there's just more, I think there's just an expectation of slightly more thought through production than just, a, an Instagram story or a snap. Um, so I think you got to use all of them to, to really engage your audiences in, in different ways. That's right. That's so right. That, that's the, those are the platforms. Then, then obviously there's all the subscription services. There's a lot, there's a lot of other people competing for, the consumer's intention, but in ad-supported social video, that's that. Those are the main platforms. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is definitely very good information for us to know, and uh, I really want to thank you for, for spending this much time with us. And I know you're yeah, very thanks. busy, very very busy man. Um, awesome for having me. Oh, pleasure is mine. Before uh, you go, can you talk to us about you know Studio Seventy One more and um, uh, and your book? Uh, you know, so that sure. anyone. That might be in the NBA listening could talk about representation or even working with you all. So. Well, look, just just so we're clear, the business started as a representation firm, but Studio Seventy One isn't really a manager of of talent. There's mm-hmm. plenty of really talented managers who are managing these stars and agents and lawyers. We 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 are essentially a service provider to this community. So we we've partnered with 
in the U.S. And we the business is run globally, right? So we have offices in London, Paris, Milan, and and Berlin. Um, our, in, in Europe, our business is a little different because we're partnered with large broadcasters. So we have access to um, not only the best, you know, what we'll call uh, the best talent that's producing for YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, but we also have access to broadcast content. So, you know, we distribute shows like The Voice and Dancing with the Stars and Big Brother and, you know, Germany's Next Top Model and stuff like that in, 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 in Europe that we don't do in the U.S. And so it's a much, it's a much, it's a, it's actually a slightly different approach to the same, um, problem and the same opportunity. Um, because we package our TV and our influencer content into one bundle, which I think is a very, very compelling uh, offering to our advertising partners in Europe. Right. In, in the in the U.S., you know, like I said, we have about 600 partners. Uh, wow, there's a huge thunderstorm in L.A. in the summer. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, sorry about that. If you hear that, in the no, background. it's okay. <laughs> Studio 71 has a pretty significant reach. I mean, we reach about one in three Americans every month, and they watch about an hour and a half of our content, but they don't really know our brand because we're very much a business-to-business brand. They know the brands of our creators like Lily and, you know, Rhett and Link and and, and others. And so um, and so, and so, so our, our job is essentially to, you know, bring the best advertising partners to the table and and really help monetize that part. That's one part. And then the other part is to find opportunities in merchandising and, and frankly opportunities in packaging up like the creativity of some of these talents and, and, and selling it to, to companies like Netflix, like YouTube red to these larger services that are, that are looking for longer form content or more scripted content than maybe our creative partners are, are making for, for social video and and that's and that's that's what we do um and we've been doing it for some time you know this book i I wrote it with a a co-author named jake green who's who and 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 our thinking was you know we go into a lot of meetings and and i go into a lot of agencies and i talk to a lot of cmos and those types of folks and there seems to be like an understanding that we need to be in this market um, and, and we want to, we want to engage with, with this talent base and we want to make branded content and, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords, but, 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 it, but it seems as though when you go into these rooms and, and, you know, there's huge audiences associated with some of these talent and you start asking who's listened to or who's watched an episode of insert, you know, sort of top tier you know, YouTube star, the answer in most of these agencies and definitely at many of these companies is there's maybe 10% of the room that really is engaging with that content. Mm. And so for more dollars to shift into the environment, I think, you know, when people buy the NFL, even if they don't want, or they're not fans of the of football, but they, they all know what it is, right? Mm. If somebody buys the CBS primetime lineup, they, they, they may not know about being, you know, Big Bang Theory or How I Met Your Mother or whatever version of CSI is on, but, but they definitely kind of know what they, what it is. And, and I think, and I think that, that we're in this transition period where, you know, sort of the people who are coming up in advertising 
you know, the future of it may be aware of a lot of this stuff, but man, the people making the decisions today still aren't really aware of the type of creativity that's, that's happening in this community and the diversity of commune, you know, of, of creativity. So this book is, is essentially really small stories about big and mid-level, you know, talent who've made a business on creating video content for the sort of the social world. And it's about a little snapshots of what everyone's doing. And, and the hope is that it's just a, a very easy read that sort of gets you a primer of, you know, this isn't just horrifying ISIS videos, as you would think about based on all the brand safety stories that have come out for a year. And it's not just cat videos, but that there's actually a much higher level of sophistication um, in the content creation that's going on here. And, and this is just a gateway into it. So that that's what Create Great Videos is about. Wow. I love it. We would definitely yep. put the link in the show notes to that. And um, we've been talking to the amazing Reza Zod here, and he's the co-founder of Studio 71 as well as co-author of Create Great Videos. Before you go, I always ask my guests this question. My mission statement and the reason for anything I do is uh, this, this use your difference to make a difference. That's, that's yep. what I, I start um, every day thinking and I end every day thinking. So I always like to ask my guests the same question. How do you, Reza, use your difference to make a difference? How do I use my difference to make a difference? That's a good question. Um, Thank you. I, I, you know, I've never thought of stuff like that. I, <laughs> so here's here. This isn't like uh, like I'm going to be honest about myself. I tend not to be. I don't like. I have a poster in my office that says "Don't look back." Mm-hmm. It's a it's a famous movie about Bob Dylan, but I like the title more than I maybe like the movie. Um, and so I'm, I've always been about going forward as fast as possible once a decision has been made. And I think, you know, the, the question you asked is, where do I think about my difference the most? And, and having impact is I have two young kids where I'm very focused on how can I make sure some of the qualities I have, but not all, but the positive qualities I have. Are, are things that they embrace and understand and can use as, as, as things for them to be more successful. So that's where I spend most of my time trying to make a difference, um, is as a father. Um, but, but as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, a leader in a, in a community, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in an office, my, my big thing is I always hated being micromanaged. I don't, you know, I try to make it as simple as possible that I'm on your side. We're going to try to go do something and give you as much rope and latitude to go do it. Um, and sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't because we're also running a business. And, and, but, but being able to allow people the freedom to not micromanage everything that they do, but allow them the freedom to, to, to really run is something I think we've been pretty good at here at, at Studio 71. Assuming you step up and want to do it. A lot of people say they want that. They're not very good at it. And so, and so, you know, that's the, that's the reality in terms of how I, I, I like to, to, to lead people. On the broader world, um, you know, in terms of like charitable things like that, I, I don't really like to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, but, my 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 wife and I are very involved in 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 certain aspects of charity. 
but I don't I don't tend to broadcast that. No, no. I mean, I think what you said is well said. It's it's honestly you. If I'm looking at you and listening to you uh, for the last 45 minutes, you've created a platform for people to authentically be themselves and express um, who they are. And there's no telling the amount of joy that brings to people that watch, the amount of um, you know, opportunities that brings to people to to share their services. And uh, that's an incredible gift. And you being the conduit for that and using all your experiences, uh, uh, something that shouldn't be taken lightly. And so, I mean, at least that's how I see it. And uh, so I want to thank you for that. We're, just be really clear. We're not conduits. We're facilitators. We, facilitators. We, like, better word. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of, like I said, you know, you can go do it on your own. Um, it's good to have help, but but people people can do their stuff on their own. We, we just happen to have a lot of scale, which gives us there's benefits to that. There you go. Uh, there you go. But essentially our job is to facilitate um, and, and, and sometimes to help create. I love it. And okay. <laughs> I just want to thank you once again. We've been talking with you. the great Reza Azad, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. It's been a true pleasure. You. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.